Welcome to the Moser on Manufacturing Podcast, brought to you by Jacket Media Co. I'm just wild about Harry, and Harry's wild about me. Good day, everybody. This is Lou Weiss from Manufacturing Talk Radio and All Metals and Forge Group. Uh, I'm here with our our good buddy, Harry Moser, who's the founder and president of the Reshoring Initiative, uh, probably one of the most responsible people for having manufacturing coming back to the United States, which is only making matters worse in terms of we don't have enough workers. We got the jobs, but we don't have enough workers. Let, let, let me comment on that first. For Please clearly, do. clearly, if they're going to be more job openings, you need more workers. Okay? Right. But but one of the reasons we don't have enough manufacturing workforce, enough people, is because over the last 20, 30, 40 years, in their community, they saw factories shutting down, being offshored. They saw their uncle losing the job at the mill and winding up at working at Walmart or doing something like that. And they said, I'll be darned if I'm going into manufacturing. So, so now to the extent that that the society, the students, the guidance counselors in the schools, that all those people say, wow, manufacturing is coming back. Yes, Susie, if you want to become a welder. Yes, Bill, if you'd like to go work in a Ford shop. Once again, that's a really good career. So, so I think in the short term, reshoring puts pressure on, on the available labor. But in the long term, it shows the students that that's an excellent opportunity again. Uh, I, I agree with that, and I, I think that you have enough uh, evidence and enough stats and there's enough reports out there to show that uh, uh, there, there, there's good money to be made, um, <clears throat> and you don't have to go into $200,000 debt to become a welder, uh, and, and a welder, and I love, the, I love the story about the underwater welder. You know, if you, if you love underwater, if you love scuba diving and all of that stuff, that's great because you could also make $150,000 a year, uh, which is far, far, far away from being a school teacher earning uh, $40,000 a year. And, uh, I was thinking about that recently, and I wondered if you're there welding on the, the oil rig or whatever it is, right. who, who is watching your back for sharks? <laughs> I, I wonder if they have four welders down there and one guy with a spear gun to, fa to, to chase away the sharks. <laughs> well, there is that. There is that. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you probably can wear iron suits and mesh, you know, like the that they can't fight through. They put maybe they put you in a cage of some kind when yeah, you do that it. Could be. That could That's be. what I would think. Yeah. I, I, that's what I would want. I mean, you know, job <laughs> safety is important when, especially when well, speak, speaking of job speaking of job safety, actually, uh, I'm I'm working on an article about the the benefits of going into careers in manufacturing, and I found some U.S. government national statistics that show that the uh, injury rate in manufacturing is lower than in non-manufacturing. So, you know, people say, oh, we're in factories, all that stuff moving around, robots and, you know, things. Right. But actually, fewer people get hurt per thousand workers in manufacturing than in, I don't know, retail, <laughs> other places like that. So, so uh, 
so uh, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty safe job. Yeah, uh, actually, uh, yesterday I was visiting somebody in a hospital, and they had a big sign in the lobby: "357 days since the last accident in the uh, uh, hospital." Uh, I thought that's pretty impressive. I mean, I think you can get hurt in hospitals easily. You know, you can slip, you can slide, <laughs> get your toes run over, uh, mm -hmm. you can cut your finger with a scalpel. I mean, there's all yeah. kinds of things that can happen. I, I wonder how long, though, it was since the last employee got sick in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't say anything about that. <laughs> it was probably last Tuesday. <laughs> So Harry, let's uh, let's get to it. Let's talk about uh, you know the skilled workers and uh, the the rebuilding and the reshoring. And I mean, there's a lot of things going on right now in our economy, and there's a lot of falsehoods that we're hearing. For example, us being the richest country in the world. Well, that may not necessarily be the truth anymore, but. Take the floor. Used, used to be true, but back after yeah. World War II, un, unquestionably we were, we were number one. Maybe Switzerland, maybe Luxembourg, or you know, or somewhere like that. But 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 for a for a big country, we were unambiguously number one. And now I looked it up a week or two ago, and I think we were number nine. nine. And even 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 Ireland has a higher annual like GDP per capita than the United States does. And Ireland, forty years ago, was poor. You know, they, they were coming over here because they couldn't grow potatoes. <laughs> and uh, and now they have a higher income than than the United States does. And and significantly, they have that because their government made uh, Ireland an attractive places place for companies to locate, to put their headquarters, to put their their factories. You know, but they they they, they cut the tax rate on the companies. And, and that attracted the companies and the factories, which drove up the income of the Irish people, and every, everybody wins. And our, our government has traditionally not been smart enough to do that. Instead, they, they, uh, they've, they've made the U.S. a, a less attractive place until, until the last you know, eight years or so. It's been, it's been moving in the right direction. Uh, about two or three years ago, I was invited to uh, uh, an event in New York City the uh, German Educational uh, Council was there uh, teaching our educational people about how and why Germany is successful with regards to education and the trades, apprenticeships and so on. And, you know, it's a real simple answer. They teach them liberal arts and they teach them welding and woodcrafts and that you, you have to have both and then when you come out you pick your choice what you want to do and that's how they've been able to uh, successfully have a strong economy uh, yeah. their economy right now <clears throat> being hit a little bit uh but generally speaking they don't have the same kind of employment issues that we do no they're starting to have it a little bit uh, yeah. I, th I think the organization you're talking about is uh, GACC, German American, something rather, and, right. and they they have a uh, a Chicago base, and I was actually on their website half an hour ago, and <laughs> and, and, and they and they provide uh, 
information on uh, they, they provide apprenticeship systems. They provide the structure and the methodology and so on for the apprenticeship system to do it more or less like like Germany does. And and my old company, uh, I used to run Charmy, Agi Charmy, and and we about uh, maybe eight, seven, eight years ago, decided we needed more service engineers, applications engineers. So we brought in, we, we followed this GACC system and we connected with a local uh, community college and the kids got their, their, you know, their English and philosophy and science there and maybe the basics of machine tool usage. And then, and then they got their detailed training on our products at our place and had, and had a very successful apprenticeship program. So, uh, so if, if if someone's looking for a to, to do that, you know, to if, to to have apprentices, the, I think the GACC you know, or GAA, I think it's GACC is is uh, uh, a good a very good source. Yeah, they were it was very uh, very good, well done. However, and not to talk politics because we don't talk politics. I'm not sure if we have the right group of people in DC to help create what it is that the Germans have done and are now trying to help us do it. Yeah, so. well, it actually, the Germans and the Swiss, because I, I worked for a Swiss company for, for 25 years, and, and and I'm the president of the Swiss Machine Tool Society of the United States. Are you? Yes. <laughs> and, I always and, said everybody loves you. <laughs> anyway, the... Uh, uh, so the Swiss have an equally good system, and the Austrians. All that that Germanic area ha ha has been the 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 gold standard for apprenticeships and training, and 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 done just an exception an exceptional job. The uh, I what what basically happens at about the age of six, I think at fifteen, the kids go in for a one month uh, internship at a company. They try try a company. Maybe a week, maybe a month. I'm not sure. And then at the age of 16, if they're going to go into an apprenticeship, they they drop out of their regular school. They go to a technical school where they'll still study the English and the history and and so on. And 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 then work at the company part time and gradually more more days per week at the company. And and they they wind up. Geez, I, we, I took tours to see this. And we'd meet these kids who are 20 years old, and they're they're they've had this exquisitely good training. So they're as good, I'd say, as our average 40 year old, uh, you know, who's who's been picking it up piecemeal as they went along, and and they they know science and they know math, and they speak typically English, German, and Italian, <laughs> you know. And and then they go to as they go through the apprenticeship with their company. The, the companies actually, many of the companies, if they think they need two apprentice graduates a year, they'll start four and they'll keep the two best and donate the other two to all the other companies in the community, so to speak. Right. Right? So, it's, so it's, it's a community thing. And the one reason it works is because uh, where, where we have 100 manufacturing trade associations, you know, furniture, uh, you know, uh, the molds, molding, it goes on and forging. Right. Yeah, uh, they have one association called Swiss Mem, and that association represents all, all of manufacturing. And when it tells, it tells the government how the education and training system is going to work because it speaks really? with one voice for all of manufacturing. Whereas, whereas we, 
we don't we're, we're all broken up into all these little splinters and 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 we don't we don't get the job done the way the way switzerland germany do so there's we we could learn a lot from them uh, we one of the, one of the things uh, you know talking about uh, getting kids going in the right direction, and one of the things that I've been talking about now for years, uh, you know, the dark, dirty, and dangerous aspect of manufacturing is pretty much become a myth at this point. Uh, I mean, there's still dirty shops and greasy floors, but you know, a lot of them you go into now, everybody's wearing white coats and, you know, booties on their shoes and so on. You know, it's, it's great. Uh, one of the things, and I, I mentioned it to you before the show, is that I, I think that a lot that needs to be done is that the parents of students have to have a better understanding. You know, they're busy in their lives doing this, that, and the other thing. I think that they need a better education because you don't hear it in the news. You hear it on manufacturing talk radio, but you don't hear it in the news and you don't hear it on uh, MSNBC and CBS and uh, FOX and all of that. Uh, I think that teach uh, that the parents need to go to a, call it a class at the school and have the counselors guide the parents showing them your slides mm -hmm. and showing them that little Johnny, you know, there's a 40% there's a chance he'll go to college and not graduate. There's a 40% chance he won't graduate and will have a $200,000 debt that either the parents or the kid is gonna have to pay for. So maybe the parent needs to understand what manufacturing is all about today, what AI is all about today, what 3D printing is about all today. Um, you know, if the father is an accountant, he doesn't know about AI, he doesn't know about the new one, ASI, which you're gonna hear a lot more about, I'm sure you know about it. Uh, uh, machine learning, uh, and, and the salary differences and so on. And I think that aside from teaching the kids liberal arts and apprenticeship, you got to talk to the parents and show them, here, little Johnny can do this. He can make a lot of money. He'll have, help pay for your old age, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, two, two, two comments on that. First, uh, the uh, I'm working on an article that starts with that 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 myth that you had about dark, dirty, and dangerous, the three Ds, okay? right? And and I came up with the five S's. Uh, is, so instead of dark, I have uh, shiny, or and instead of what something, I have safe, and so on. And, and I, I gathered statistics where I could, such as manufacturing has a lower injury rate than other portions of private employment. And and I got pictures of shops to show how nice the best can be. Right. Okay? And so the the idea is I don't have time to work on it, but if I could when I finish it, it'll be there'll be a national one with with, with two or three pictures of really good shops, and then I'll offer it to each of the trade associations or each of the states so they can customize it for their industry for their state, and then they can get it out to the teachers and the students and have them see. That, that that myth uh, to to overcome the myth that you that you described. Don't forget the parents. Yeah, and, and the parents. And the other thing, the other thing I wanted to point out, if if you're located 
especially if you're located close to Chicago, say within an hour and a half of a drive of Chicago, um, IMTS, the Machine Tool Show, 120, 130,000 people show, huge, beautiful, wonderful thing, happens every even year in September, like the week after, like a week after Labor Day. And, um, and they have a, something called a student summit where as many as 15 or 20,000 high school and community college kids come in and they see the robots and they see the training systems and they, they learn about the careers and they you know, hear people maybe like me or Lou talk about what's going on. And, and, and it's, just, it's just a wonderful place for the kids and the parents you know, to get exposure to the, yeah. the, the, the wonders of a, of a manufacturing career. It's uh, it's important, especially as the jobs are coming back. We need it. <laughs> we need it. I mean, we used to have 45 million people in manufacturing. Now we have 12.5 and we're missing 3 million. Yeah, well, we're not, we're, we're not missing. We, we've lost, you know, 6 million, 10 million, depending on when you want to count. Yeah. Uh, the, I, I think the the current job openings in manufacturing is something like 700,000. But the projection, which you're referring to, is the projection, yeah, projection by, the, by the Manufacturing Institute and Deloitte that uh, that in 2030 or so, someday, yeah. Yeah, after after right. you and I retire. <laughs> uh, I'm not retiring, Harry. <laughs> anyway, a, a, after our generation retires, the uh, that there will be that many openings. Now, now here, here's some good news that balances that off from a U.S. competitiveness perspective, the, the Chinese government projects that by 2025, there will be shortages of 30 million manufacturing workers in China. <laughs> 30 million. Be, why is that? Because where our population is still gradually going up, their population is doing this. And the, the young kids who, and China has pushed uh, huge amounts of their youth into universities and now they're coming out and there aren't any university type jobs and the kids refuse to work in a factory and so they're doing something called lying flat they're, they're staying at home lying on the couch <laughs> doing, doing just enough to get by instead of taking some kind of a job and getting their career going right I, well that's uh that's something they didn't anticipate. No, no. They anticipate that. So, Harry, you got a, a bunch of slides that I'd, I'd like you to share with <clears> the <throat> uh, audience. Uh, so, why don't you uh, uh, do yeah, I'll, some I'll take you through the slides. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, yeah. So, the first slide number one uh, it was, it was a survey done by Chief Executive Magazine in May of 2023, so quite recent, and they asked companies, uh, what's the most important thing to you in enabling you to reshore? You know, what, what, are the, what are the things that have to be overcome? And the number one criterion was skill and availability of workforce. So both the quantity and the quality of the worker so that the factory first could be manned or personed, I guess you're supposed to say today, and, uh, and also to have the, the skills and the discipline and the, you know, the determination so that the factory could be productive enough to be able to bring the work back from a, a place like you know, China where the wages are a third as much or India where they're maybe a 10th as much as they are here. So it takes quantity and quality of workers. And so so this, is, this is what the company said about 
um, the decision to reshore, but when you survey them and say, where do you want to put your factory in general, not, nothing to do with reshore, but you're just going to build a new factory, where are you going to put, they always say number one criterion is availability of skilled workforce. The, uh, the second slide, slide number two, um, the, the, the data here is dated because I haven't, I haven't been working on this you know, so much for a while, but it, but it shows the, the medium, median earnings for graduates with only a bachelor, bachelor's degree for different categories, you know, engineering at the top and humanities and social sciences at, at, at the bottom, the yellow line. So you can see roughly the, the career path there in terms of earnings. And then slide number three, I uh, interposed in that the, the earnings of a tool and die maker, okay? You know, which is less than the uh, engineer, maybe less than the physicist, but much higher than almost all the liberal arts uh, degrees. And, right. and then I took the difference between the uh, engineer, the tool and die maker income and the English major, which was down here at the bottom and came up with this chart. So you've got, you've got the English major, uh, the first four years or, or too often five this or six is, years. This so is slide, slide four. Slide number four, correct? Slide number four. So the English major spending uh, money on tuition, and at th this point I said 5000 a year to be conservative, you know, today it'd be twenty or $30,000 a year. Right. Uh, and then starting to work and making money, you know, four or five years out of high school, whereas the apprentice starts making money immediately. So, so they've got four years of income while the English major has four years of expense, which is, you know, puts them way ahead, and then consistently made more money during their their lifetime. And then slide number five, uh, here we go. Slide number five, I took the difference between the income of the toolmaker and the English major and paid half of it in taxes. You make more money, you got to pay more taxes. And, and I invested the difference at 7% per year, so a reasonable return. And at the age of 49, the uh, tool and die maker had a million dollars more net worth than the English major. Now, if, if you'd ask the guidance counselor, uh, who's going to have a higher net worth during their lifetime, the, the English major or the tool and die maker? Oh, of course, the, the, the university graduate, the English major would. But no, <laughs> not true. But, but you know, to get them to show this to the kids, would take an act of God probably because because most of most of the guidance counselors are probably English majors. You know? Anyway, right. <laughs> yeah, the other thing, slide slide number six it was interesting. I, I was very active with the NTMA, the National Tooling and Machining Association. So the association of shops that um, uh, machined parts, uh, made molds and dyes, did things like a lot of metal metal machining. And and so I surveyed their their shop owners, you know, the, the, the members uh, of the association, and he asked them, what's your background, like apprentice graduate or training, but not apprentice uh, or, or some other alternatives, MBA, you know, what have you. And then how did you get control of the company? Did you found it, purchase it, inherit it, you know, whatever. And so it turned out that a substantial percentage of the companies were founded by apprentice graduates or purchased by apprentice graduates and and therefore that 
becoming an apprentice is a great way to be an entrepreneur, to have your own company, to, 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 to be the boss, <laughs> which you know, I think you, 20 years ago, everybody wanted to be an entrepreneur. I, I don't see quite as much fervor for that today, um, but I think people, kids still don't want someone else telling them what to do. And, and the best way to have someone else not have someone else tell you what to do is for you to be the one that tells other people what right. to right. do. You know? right. Or at least, at least, I mean, like this, this uh, forging industry association event I was at, uh, they had a speaker yesterday, a lady who talked about how to deal with the younger generation. You know, there's nothing wrong with the kids. You just have to be flexible. You have to understand what they want and, and try and give them what they want and, and give, give them, uh, educate them, train them, give them opportunities, be listen, listen to them and so on. And, and that's, you know, that that's clearly what, you know, what, what most everybody has always wanted, I think, but the, you know, again, the best way to, for, for the youth to be able to have that be the culture of their company is to own their company. Right. <laughs> and, and so, exactly. and, and better to, to, uh, to, to come into a, a field like this, a profession like, like forging or, 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 or tool making is to get those skills and then and then be able to start your own company in, in a field in which you're an expert. Whereas if you if you go to uh, if you get an English or history or something degree and then you say, I want to start a company. Well, what do you know anything about? Well, I know about history. Well, how are you going to make money selling <laughs> history? You can't make you, you can write a book, I guess, but you're, you're not going to make whereas if you're a really good toolmaker or forger you've got a chance to either start your own company or, or, or buy a company and, and, and then have the culture the way you think you will work best. Correct. Correct. Yeah. You don't, you don't make a lot of money selling English. <laughs> I mean, some, some writers, some writers do, you know, yeah. fiction book writers, some of these people out in Hollywood that are writing, they were on strike for three months or something. They're, they're going to make more money writing. writing. <laughs> they're they're going to make out good on this uh, new settlement, the union uh, contract settlement. And I, and I, I, now I prefer manufacturing, but the I, th I think the biggest problem they have out there is they have these people that are the writers and the actors, and they most of them probably only work at writing or acting, you know, 10 hours a week. And the rest of the time they're waiters or you know or something like that and working yeah. at, a, at a bar or barista and and the problem is there's too many of them and if they get half of them to get a job in manufacturing then the other half would be making enough money that they wouldn't have to go on strike <laughs> <laughs> there's always that uh, harry this this was terrific uh, I appreciate uh, all the all the information. And by the way, folks, uh, this this is a huge huge topic. So I, I'm suggesting to Harry that we call this uh, part one, and let's continue with the uh, conversation, uh, perhaps with our next uh, our next meet for the continuation of this in part two, uh, and. Uh, you know, take this forward and hopefully um, that there are those who are going to understand that, ooh, you know, maybe I better listen to this because this is really important stuff. And uh, it's important for the kids. It's important for the parents, especially if you want your kids to take care of you when you're old and gray. Um, 
I'm not counting on that. I'm like I said, I'm not retiring. <laughs> I told my wife when I retire, that means when they lower the box. So that, <laughs> that's the end of so, that. Let me mention one thing. Um, so I am I'm the founder and president of the Reshoring Initiative, as Lou mentioned, and and so our our job is to help companies. Uh, produce and source more here in the United States and less from other places, especially unfriendly places. And so uh, co companies that have successfully reshored, we'd love to hear about it, because if they let us know about it, we will give them a manufacturing is cool t-shirt uh, made in the US out of US cotton, okay? And and if they have the possibility to reshore, either their own within their own company deciding to, to produce or source here, or convincing their customer to buy from them instead of from offshore, then we can help them. So we have tools, methodology, uh, data that can help them reshore either again in their own company or by selling smarter to their customers. So anybody that, that wants to report a success to me or or has needs help making it happen, uh, we're at uh, reshorenow.org. So look forward to hearing from you. Well said, well said. Harry, it's been a pleasure always. And for all, all our listeners, if you like our show, hit that like button. And if you want to subscribe to it so you know every show that comes up, hit the subscribe button. And uh, if you have any comments about our show or questions uh, that you would have of me or my guests, uh, Particularly Harry, don't ask me hard questions. You know, I, I don't, I don't know squat. Harry's the guy. That's why we love Harry. <laughs> Harry, thanks a lot. Appreciate you being here every month and giving us the insight of what's happening in the world. We always have a great time, Will. Thank you. We do. We do. Thank you much. Bye all. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.